Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode, I welcome back travel writer Catherine Parker Magia and discuss with her where to travel to in 2022. Catherine, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you on. How are you and where in the world are you? So good to be on again. I am in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is actually where I think that we had our first podcast. We did, yes. I, like I, I, reckon, I recognize the background. <laughs> You're such a busy lady. So I've seen you travel on your Instagram. You're constantly away. So we'll come on to that. And for people who haven't seen our first episode, so you can watch it on my YouTube channel or listen to it on all major podcasting platforms. So we talked about... Catherine's initial first love in travel, how she got into travel writing, and well, you're very accomplished now. So we'll come on to some of your stories, and specifically one article that you wrote. I want to talk about for this year, which is about travel destinations to go to for 2022. So actually, just before we go into that, just explain again who we who you are again, so people who haven't listened to the first episode. I'm a travel writer and editor, and I'm ostensibly based in New York City, but. I guess I started travel writing in 2018 and it really, really took off quite quickly once I started writing about travel. Like I'd always wanted to cover travel, but I mean, my advice is always to, I wanted to be a writer first and foremost, but once I sort of got into the travel space, I really jumped at the opportunity and I was just, you know, traveling to another country. For me, it's always the like discovery of something new. I've been out in Jackson Hole and I've always really loved the American West. Like ever since I was a little kid, this was, you know, every summer we would drive out here and my mom would cry when she saw the Tetons. And like, there's this journal that my, you know, I come from travel writers, you know, they just weren't doing it professionally, but a book of journals from like all of our travels. And it was, everyone wrote down their five favorite places and it would be like Paris, Rome, Jenny Lake, you know what I mean? Like Jackson Hole. So it's always been something. And I say Paris Rome, but I remember we went to Europe when I was like 12 or 13. And I was like, yeah, Paris is beautiful. Jackson is even better. Yeah, I want to quickly reflect back on our last conversation and just go from there to where you are now. So how has it been in terms of travel writing? And you said you've obviously traveled a little bit. In fact, a little bit, I say a little bit, a lot since then. So how has it been? How have you found that period of the pandemic traveling? I hadn't been prioritizing domestic travel when I started travel writing just because I'd been to I'd been to places. I'm not saying that I can't learn. Like I'm going to Aspen this weekend and I'm really excited. I haven't been there in the winter. Um, but I've, you know, I've, I was more focused internationally. And then with the pandemic in America, there was suddenly a shift to national parks, which growing up, like we collected national park training cards and I've you know, Amer- national parks are really what it makes America great. And then, you know, the Mountain West. So Wyoming and Montana were two of the least visited states. And then they've had banner years with the pandemic because people can't go abroad. So they're discovering what they can do within the U.S. So I've actually been as busy as ever, like busier than ever, because I 
And a lot of my friends, you know, particularly rude people at the beginning would be like, well, you know, are you really worried or how are you doing? And, you know, oh, well, you should probably want to transition out of travel. And it's like, no, travel is like a human instinct. It's a basic human desire. And I think that the best part of ourselves comes out when we travel and the desire to travel too. And that hasn't really gone away. So you've seen the, you know, resurgence of bucket list trips and trips that people, you know, they want to, they put off and wait until they have the perfect amount of money and the perfect amount of time, but you never have either of those things. And you don't need either of those things, truly. So I think people are, there's that sort of moment where I want to go on the most, you know, I want to go to Kenya or I want to go to Fiji or the Maldives or I want to go to the Galapagos. And that's always been my favorite topic straight about. So that's been one element that I've loved. And now there's been road trips. I really do love road trips. Like I, I, you know, I've gotten who I'm quoting. I used to have a harp at the highway ticket and I've been out West. So I've been listening to a lot of country songs about people like getting divorces and crying about in their pickup trucks. But there's something very beautiful about American road trips. Like America was designed essentially in a way like, like no other country in the world in the sense of what you can do. And so I just have enjoyed writing about that. I've written a lot of stories about skiing, hiking, Pretty much. And like, I haven't written as much about cities, but I think people haven't been focusing as much on cities, but Mm -hmm. spotlighting underrated places. I'm the editor of the U.S. Travelers League, which is focused on collecting all 50 states, you know, going to all 50 states. So I've done all these stories on like, you know, local treasures in New Mexico or hiking across the country, skiing and all these different topics. And that's been really fun. And if you're listening, you've been to all 50 states. I'd love to interview you. I tore my ACL, which was my sign that I had to leave Wyoming. I tore my ACL. Oh, I remember that actually. Yeah. So was I guess what was that like then? I stuck stuck still. Oh my God. Yes. For a month I couldn't bend my leg. I couldn't I couldn't put pressure. Doing your ACL and then being able to also carry on your work. And as City, you've been still traveling quite a bit and getting to because every time I saw your Instagram, for example, it's like, geez, she's on the road again. She's traveling more than most people yeah. that I know. So, and this was obviously still at the height of the pandemic and we're still sort of coming out of it right so now. In the US, I was worried about that because in the US, like obviously there were writers and people who are traveling during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. there's obviously two sides to it. And when I say during the pandemic, what I'm really saying is like pre-vaccine and mm-hmm. testing protocols. Because... I'm safer going on an international flight to the Maldives where I know that everyone's tested negative within the past Mm -hmm. 48 hours and everyone's been vaccinated than I am flying from Colorado to New York Mm -hmm. where half the people probably are not vaccinated. There's no test requirement. So the way that I operated was I literally was operated on an April 1st. And then my first trip was June to the Maldives. And that has been a place I've always really wanted to go to. I'm really fascinated with South Asia because I've been to Nepal. I'm obsessed with Nepal. And then I've always wanted to go to India, dying to go to Sri Lanka. And then going to the Maldives was so interesting because there are a lot of Sri Lankans and Indians there. That was like really honestly, like I'm just, when I haven't been somewhere and I'm fascinated by the culture, I'm just like thrilled to be around essentially anyone who can tell me. But at the same time, the Maldives, Maldivian culture is so, so unique and beautiful and ancient. And it just made me, you know, when I went to Kenya, I was like, I need to go everywhere else in sub-Saharan Africa. And going to Nepal, I was like, I need to go everywhere in South Asia. And then the Maldives really, you know, 
it made me double down on that desire. But I was very paranoid that someone was going to try to cancel me because it was June. And even though I'd been vaccinated and it was very safe, and I guess we'll go into it with the article, but you know, you're going from resort island to resort island. So everyone on the island's negative. And at the end of the day, a lot of these countries are reliant upon tourism. And the hard thing is, is that there, and tourism can be a source of good and obviously a source of harm, you know, but I have been in amazing places where the tourism industry is helping preserve the environment, like the natural communities. Yeah, and when I say course. the environment, I also mean the local communities who are mm-hmm. living there and the local culture. I just want to bring it to the article that you wrote that I read and I thought, wow, this is, this is great. So you've, you wrote about 22 different places that you, you want to want people to go to with people looking into this year and it's started off quite well and most places restrictions are coming coming out of places especially in europe africa i know because of my radio show that it might take a bit of more testing etc to go in but not necessarily you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about leaving and then going back to your country and Mm -hmm. being quarantined and stuff so what destination is probably right up there as the first for people to travel to so Fiji um I would say I because here's why I would say Fiji is because number one it just reopens like it shut down for like two years like a year it shut down from March 2020 and then I was on the first direct flight in December 20 the first international flight in December 2021 and So the reason that they shut down is because they're like 1,600 miles from like the nearest continent. Fiji is very remote. And you feel that when you land. Like I could have been in the Amazon or like, you know, Alaska. I felt that sort of sense of just like wonder at where I was. Like that, that it's astoundingly beautiful. But then also there's just this vastness with like Fiji is like 300 islands, I believe. It's around 300, 300 there. But there are some... There are like obviously main island groups that you visit, but traveling from island to islands and you look down at the water and it's not just what's above the water, but what's beneath the water is absolutely spectacular. And then going from one region of Fiji to another, one island to another, it's honestly like a completely different change of pace, different country, like the North, the North east reminds me of it of like cape cod like i felt like i was almost in new england it's rainier it's more rainforesty like dominica in a way beautiful and then you go down to i was in the kadavu island group at um kokomo island which was like rated like the best um resort in australia and um south pacific but that is just like a call like a flower explosion you know just like super lush so many birds and then and but then you go and that then you go west and then you got these turquoise blue, almost green waters and white sand. And that's sort of what probably people think of with Fiji. Um, and it's just like a completely different climate. And then you go further north from there. And then it also gets a little bit wilder. Turtle Island looks like paradise, but you can really island hop. And it's quite, it's not difficult at all to go from island to island. I, I actually, I really highly recommend it. I mean, Viti Levu is the largest island and I love that too because they have highlands it almost reminded me of Scotland because Fiji has clans okay. different where they and they had different clans that existed in different parts of different parts of the country but they still you know exist today they still have clan elders and I, they also have highlands sorry, I just want to just interject Catherine and just ask you so 
when you go to Fiji, how accessible is it in terms of, I guess, budget-wise? So what are we looking at in terms of budget if people were to set aside for this year and head to Fiji? Here's something that I always say. If you're an American or a European traveler, everywhere you go, particularly for the quality, unless you're going to go to Sweden, I think Finland, I love Sweden, I love Finland, I love... But, you know, if you go to the Nordics, I think Iceland can be very expensive. But I remember. Fiji is really not as expensive, um, particularly because I think that it makes sense to, for me at least, like I'm visiting my friend in Italy for 12 days and I'm like, I want to go to all these places. But I think it makes, I think what's great about Fiji is that it is what you want it to be. So if you are like, I want to go stay in the most luxurious possible place you can do that but you can also mix it in with like more of a local island or more of like a I don't want to say party island but like more of like a like when I was in Castaway Island which is one of my favorites and the general manager is, is um Sam Steven who's called a Bulanaire, which Bula means welcome hello nice it means like when you go to Fiji you're gonna hear Bula everywhere and he started out just his parents didn't want him to go into tourism and he really loved it. And he started out working and he was helping people with their bags from the planes. And now he's the GM. And when I, when I talk about this in this way, I mean, you know, you can go to places sometimes. And I think the white Lotus really skewered Hawaii, which I've had really wonderful, authentic, authentic is such a tacky word. I've had wonderful experiences in Hawaii and Hawaii where I felt like I've been really lucky to like have like an exchange with like Hawaiian culture. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I think it, it, like anywhere else, it depends where you stay. But with Fiji, you really do feel like the culture is a part of the experience and an element that you're just brought into the second that you arrive, the second you arrive on an, on um, a new island. Like there's a kava ceremony, and kava is this. It looks like milky jar. It gets you kind of drunk. I though have drank a decent amount of it, and I didn't feel anything, but I, I guess I you need to drink it either. You need to drink it never or like more regularly. And then you can, it gets you a little high, but you know, there's like a kava ceremony. And then you like, people are very, very, very friendly. And I mean that they're legendary. Fijians are legendary for their friendliness. Do you see mainly families, couples, or people traveling solo? Couples, families, And friends. But actually, it surprised me, actually, you said family, because I wouldn't necessarily think Fiji is a place for families to travel to, because I guess expense-wise to travel out there. But as you just said, there, it's not as expensive to maybe travel around Fiji, but surprising that it, it, it does have a lot of families. Well, so the South Pacific is is Australia's and New Zealand's, New Zealand's Caribbean. So how we go to like Barbados from yeah. New York. Or how we go to Spain here. Exactly. How you're going to the Mediterranean, how we're going to the Caribbean is how they're going to South Pacific. So you, and I mean, I love Australians. So, you know, great group of people to follow. I made a lot of friends who are Australian who are visiting. And then a lot of friends who are also um, like my hosts and also just like Fijians who were, you know, I was in a couples only resort and I, which is, I love Turtle Island. I actually think it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, but I don't really write about romance, like couples travel that much, but I wanted to experience everything. So Mary, who was my date for like, you know, we had a romantic candlelit dinner on a tarpon boat and then, you know, a beachside like picnic on a private beach where Blue Lagoon was filmed. So there are definitely places that are uber coupley, but it's really a mix. You'll also find a lot of adventure travelers there. Um, 
you know, Jean-Michel Cousteau Resort in um, Savu Savu. On the, it's in the Northeast. It's called like the Hidden Paradise of Fiji. Like that was the second place I went to. Everyone's like, oh, you've been to the real Fiji now. Some of the best diving in the world. And Jacques Cousteau, you know, he's been everywhere. Like Jean-Michel, Jean-Michel Cousteau all over the world. And they're like, Fiji is my favorite place, you know, and those, and they're not drawn just, you know, I'll say this. It doesn't have the same, like, sometimes I feel the only place I've ever experienced this was the Dominican Republic and Punta Cana, but I ha- didn't go to Santo Domingo. I haven't explored enough of the Dominican Republic at all to make that statement about the country, but it's depressed me because I hate being in an all-inclusive resort. Like, I don't like it. It like just, I just, it's not fun for me. That surprised me. So I would have thought, well, I guess luxury, is that not your kind of thing? I want to go somewhere that's like, that is a true representation and reflection of that place. You know, I don't need to go to like an American owns mm. hotel group in another country where the ethos and the attitude and also the menu and the drinks and the entertainment it's all on America's schedule. You know what I mean? I would rather be in a place, I think boutique hotels are having such a moment. And this is part of a larger trend that's younger travelers are motivated by Instagram, unsurprisingly. Although I do think Instagram can be a source of it. I've seen sites on my Instagram feed that I'm like, where is that? I must go. Like when Dominican Republic, I saw a picture of their national park and I was like, I need to get back there. You know, so I think it can be great. Influencers, I think a bit have gotten canceled during the pandemic urban travel which obviously is on pause now but that means other people and Mm -hmm. cultural immersion and that also leads to people you know and I think that I don't like to be on the resort the whole time and the nice thing about Fiji and that goes with the Maldives too is that you know there are so many adventure activities that you can do but Mm -hmm. I've talked way too much in family about Fiji the reason I'd recommend Fiji is because after a year and a half of no tourism everyone's like it's even more lush than it was before you know like in new york city we'd be like oh my god the birds are going crazy in central park like that you know fiji was already a paradise so now it is even more and fijian when i landed like the only ever time i received a greeting like that was on the first direct flight from new york city to nairobi and there was like a marching band and i met the deputy president and it was such a big deal for east for east africa and america trade and tourism and it was momentous this first flight to Fiji after a year and a half, people were dancing in the roundabout when we were leaving the air when we were leaving the airport. There was like a band to greet us, traditional dance. I had to dance, which okay. I do a lot actually. Dancers, singers, like giving out like hand like hand woven goods and gifts. And what I people missed having tourism because it was a huge part of the economy as well, but also. I remember like every place I lived, they'd be like, where are you from? And I'm, I'm like, New York. And it's like, oh, so great to hear someone be from New York. Oh, I've missed, you know, it's people are really happy, like to see you is what I'm saying. Is it an untapped place? Potentially, if people start flocking there, could over tourism be a problem or can they handle handle the tourists going in? I think that this all comes to like. The, number one, the accommodations, because I think over tourism happens when you do have, as we were mentioning, like, you know, these huge, gigantic luxury hotels that can have thousands of thousands of people. If they're at vacancy, suddenly they're at vacancy and the beaches and the water. But in Fiji, at, at least like what I experienced and the and from the conversations I've had with like the local hotel managers and the tourism directors is that, you know, Fiji isn't looking for like a huge mass 
of travelers, you know, and also that the way that these, that these properties are lined up and like, these are like some of the most popular and famous, you know, destinations in Fiji that I'm referencing, but like Turtle Islands had probably 12 bulas. So what an overwater bungalow is to the Maldives is what a bula is to Fiji, which is pretty much like a wooden straw hut on the beach. And, you know, it's domes and high so that you can get some, you know, some cool breeze. It's, it's amazing. It's gorgeous. But so they, you know, you only have like 11 or 12 in Turtle Islands and Jean-Michel Cousteau. And that, um, that property is designed actually to, to replicate a Fijian village. So you have the gathering space. That's another thing with travel in Fiji. You, there's like in Turtle Island, everyone had dinner together in the same spot. Um, in, at Jean-Michel Cousteau, like the, like, they had, like, as mentioned, their main gatherings. Like, you meet other people on your trips and you just sort of get to know everyone, which is really nice. I don't love to travel solo, so let me make this clear. I think it's, I love to bring one friends, you know, just because, and I do like to be, I mean, in Fiji, I had a lot of fun. I was on a couple islands by myself and I thrived. But I think there's a lot of pressure on solo travel. And I think what I'm trying to say is you don't need to go in a family or a couple. You can go with a friend. Still, the amount of people that are going to be on the islands, particularly because a lot of these places are one island, one resort. So even if I think the worst thing that could happen would be they would be booked out. And that already is happening, you know? So I don't see it becoming a problem in Fiji so much also because it's the islands are spread are quite spread out we've talked a lot about Fiji and it sounds like it's the number one spot for people to go to in your opinion I want to just ask you a little bit more about some of the other places I guess you can't go to every single place but what are the other couple places that you recommend people to go to this year the list I curated what I put together I was really trying to be cognizant of like not only where I think people should go and would have the best travel experience post being in a pandemic. And we're still in a pandemic, you know? I think that feeling locked in, not having traveled so much for a while, like part of that makes you want to go out into the world and go out further into the world, which was behind like the Galapagos Islands, Rwanda, Fiji, and Maldives. You know, those fall for me and, and Alaska, Prince of Wales Islands. Fiji and Maldives would be more similar in the sense of like, I have not been in truly apparent, like the Indian Ocean. And this, you know, the South Pacific on an overwater bungalow or a bula, like that is what people have like been wanting, you know, like to be able to like fully sort of cheat yourself. But the flip side of that too is like with the Galapagos and the trip I recommended in Alaska, it's that was an insane fishing trip I did with waterfall resorts where we were up at 5 a.m. and then we were fishing until I was napping on the boat. It was crazy in the sense that you wouldn't necessarily call it a relaxing vacation, but it was so beautiful and amazing to so fully disconnect and like you hear a whale you know you're sailing around out there you're boating around to the salmon which I could never catch I was more looking around and then you see these seals and sea lions and then I woke up to like a humpback whale spouting next to me and that kind of like majestic nature it can remind you the world is huge and I think that for me at least like going to the Maldives right after being quarantined, I was like, yes, I needed to remember the world is big. Like it's bigger than my own little quarantine bubble and the situation I've had. And the Galapagos and Rwanda and Alaska are trips that I would say really immerse you in nature. Same with Fiji, same with Maldives. Rwanda is a place that like they're... So every, I feel like every place, it's so hard to say, oh, they've loosened because everyone le- lessens and tightens their restrictions. But talk about like once in a lifetime situations, like to go... 
you can go trekking with gorillas, of which there are only a like, couple thousand left, um, and chimpanzees in, in Rwanda. And Kigali is just like one of the coolest cities in Africa. And I feel like that is a place that's similar to Fiji. Like I've wanted to go to Rwanda for four years, five years. My cousin went there and she loved it. And my association with Rwanda was Hotel Rwanda, which was really popular in America and the bloody genocide that occurred, you know, and that is still there. I think that that's still something that they sort of have to fight against in a way, but at the same time, they've done such a great job. Now there's a museum erected, like in honor of everything that happened. And it's, it's not a part of the history that they're trying to erase more. It's something of acknowledging and like building stronger and better. Like I've, a lot of people have called it the Rwanda, Switzerland. Rwanda is the Switzerland of East Africa, where it's like the tourism is just like next level. And it's just very like well-maintained, like the, just the accommodations and the gorillas, you, there are only a certain amount of passes you can do a day. So just like Antarctica cruises yeah. are booked for two years, like that's when you have to book in advance and treat mm-hmm. yourself. I also said Mexico because Mexico has no, no requirements. They didn't really have much requirements during the height of the pandemic. I heard people go there left, right, center from, yeah. from the US anyway. Honestly, just when you start to travel, you need to like just have the, I mean, my always my perspective is like everything will go wrong. It's, you know, a lot of things, are, something will go wrong. You need to be like, but you know, spend more money on getting a rapid test or like where you can, where you can spend the extra $20, $40 or do your paperwork in advance. You should uh, to minimize difficulties. But, you know, I think a lot of people are put off by the difficulties or they get paranoid. They'll get stuck somewhere. But Mexico, it's funny because particularly for Americans, it's right next door. And I always feel like Europe almost appreciates Mexico more than America appreciates Mexico in the sense that. There's so much more to Mexico than Cancun. So I respect Cancun because that's a $7 billion industry for Mexican. Yeah. But I was just in Cabo, Baja, Baja California, sir, dying to go. I want to do Guadalajara and like tequila in Mexico, obviously like Puerto Vallarta. I want to, um, what's it called? Mexico City. Like there's just like so much to see and do and it's a great time to go. And then Canada just reopened to Americans and I oh, okay. spotlighted several spots like beyond Banff and Lake Louise. I have, we were talking about Jackson Hole. I think it's the closest you can get to. And when I say Jackson Hole, I don't mean like the Rockies because the Rockies in Aspen are older. So they're more curved over. The Rockies in Wyoming are like teenagers. So they're really jagged and sharp and very dramatic. And honestly, like Lake Louise, Banff, those Rockies, that strain really reminds me of here. I think it's most beautiful. Tofino, well, I've, I, I've been to those places. They're amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. And then Tofino, best surfing honestly, in, in, in all of North America, Rossland, skiing the Powder Highway. So I tried to do a mix of places that, you know, Mexico, obviously much easier, Rwanda, a little bit more difficult. And then some hidden gems in Europe, too. I think West Sweden is severely underrated. Slovenia is very underrated. And that that is a place that's not going to stay like that for long, just because it's so cheap. It's so beautiful. It's like all of Europe. There is like all of Europe in one country the size of New Jersey. You have Alps. You have these crystal blue lakes. You have these gorgeous, gorgeous cities and vineyards, you know, because they border like every, they border like Italy, Austria, you know, there's just a lot of different, there's a lot of different influences, but at the same time, like it's almost Slovenia is such a gem. And yeah, I would go there sooner versus later, particularly if you want to save money. Sweden, it's too late. I think every, well, not as bad as, not as bad as Norway, maybe, but Sweden, West Sweden, they have this thing called the 72 hour house, which is a mm-hmm. glass cabin invented pre pandemic. 
for people to disconnect and fully be immersed in nature. The coolest place I think I've ever stayed. The industry itself has obviously had a massive hit in terms of financially especially in 2020 and 2021 it did sort of get back up to, well only four percent it was in terms of how it depended well compared to 2020 but it's an industry where i've spoken to a few experts who said it's not going to be fully 100 percent, but it's going to be a lot better than it was over the last couple of years so it'd be so those insights of those places that you've given us Catherine, is going to be great for people to i guess i guess i'll ask that one question again in terms of for all those places, you can budget your way through. It doesn't have to be luxury. Not as expensive as people think. People, you waste money. It's almost like when you're drunk, you spend money. When you're hungover, you want to spend more money because you need all the food. You cannot leave your, you cannot leave your house to get it. You need it. Like whatever, everything is almost like an airport. In an airport, money doesn't matter. Like the water costs $8. I need this water. I need this Bloody Mary. That is how logistics are when you're traveling. Like you're going to spend $600 getting your cabs, getting your Ubers. When If you plan in advance, which you're not going to want to do when you land, like, okay, like I'm splitting the shuttle or I can take this form of public transportation or even just booking in advance, like booking a day in advance online for activities. Like even, I mean, in Jackson Hole, if you rent your skis online the day before it's half off, you know, but so many people like don't do that. I think with traveling also, you have to look at it as, where do you want to spend money? And also, where can you be comfortable cutting? Because there are some, unless you're someone, everyone's got something that they can like, I will ride a bus. I will ride the back of a bus. You know what I mean? To get from place to place. And I used to be someone who would go into the cheapest, I didn't care, least expensive hotel possible. And then traveling in Nepal and Ecuador, um, really opened my eyes though to how that can actually get really harmful because if you're at some places it's like if you're spending like and I've never was able I mean I never spent this at all but there are some places you can spend like $30 $20 on a hotel room US dollars how do you think these people are feeding their family you know so you also want to you know at the end of the day it's pay a price that's fair for everything but that price that's fair is in particularly if it's in foreign currency translates the US dollar it's half and then also when you're looking to book, and this is what I find with hotels for me, I'm like, I'm very much about location. So I don't care if like, I have like, you know, a humongous jacuzzi hot tub and whatever. Like I, if I'm like traveling in a city, like I want to be able to walk out to the spot. So pick your non-negotiables and work around them because at the end of the day, like who's using the hotel gym and also be re- be realistic about like, what you're actually going to be spending money on. Like you're not going to be using all the amenities of a five-star resort. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's one way that I cut down. And then also it's the transportation in advance. How am I getting from here to there? If I'm renting a car, I'm going to rent it beforehand. And I'm going to find, I'm going to go 10 miles away from the airport. And those little things make such a huge difference. They're just, it's laziness. Where do you like to see yourself in the coming year? And I guess to 2023. Such a hard question because I feel like I should know. Um, I want to be so it's hard because I always run to a traveler and then you're there. And then my second thing was I need to be making a salary, I need to make a decent living. And then I got there, which like it will happen. It's truly if you build it, it will come. I do believe that because it's not something where 
the first thing is breaking in. The second thing then once you've broken in is establishing yourself. And then that was a hang up for me. I think last time we spoke, I was like, I love this, but like, I need to start finding a way to make this work fiscally, particularly when you're not traveling anymore and you're just writing and you're at home getting paid like $2. I really want to write a book about my travels. I want to write a book of essays and something, something like a mixture. I want them to be like funny, personal, almost like an kind of girl, Lena Dunham, or is everyone hanging out without me by, um, by or Dolly Alderton. I loved her. I loved her memoir. But then with each chapter being in like a different country and like the stories that I've sort of, some of the stories I have told, like I wrote about why Nashville is the best best place to get over a breakup. Like that's, you know, I've written stories like this before. I've written, I've, you know, but like there are so many experiences that I've had. Like I've not written about smuggling a weapon across Jordan Palestine borders. You know, I've not written about, I've written about going in and out of Jamaica without a passport, but the people I've met and like the experiences and more of like funny and I don't want it to just be travel, but I want that. Would you like to go down sort of more of an, I guess an investigative route? The thing I like about travel writing too, and like, I feel like why it works for me is that I can get like 10 stories out of one place. Like I've mm-hmm. never understood someone. They don't usually last long in the industry. Oh, I didn't get a story there. I was, there was no story there. Like, did you land? Did you walk outside? What did you see? There are a million stories. So you know, whenever you go to a country, there are so many different angles you can take, but it's usually the first person narrative, like the story that's being for go last minute is great because I do get to publish a lot of these type of, and when I say for like narrative driven, more of like, um, and you don't want to be preachy is the problem. Although, you know, I am, I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm preachy. I, when I come back from a place, I feel this burning desire to let everyone else know what is, what it is about you. that makes it so special. So, you know, so unique, so cool. But also what makes travel engaging is like, you're not a robot, you're a human and you're like, what you bring to a space also impacts. And I think that it's, I love being able to step into someone else's mind. I would love to be able to write less and get paid more for sure. I mean, I would love to, I need to get a book out. I wrote a book in grad school and then I like was working on publishing it and then travel writing took off and I sort of put it on hold for a second and then I haven't gone back and I'm like that's always been my goal is to be an author but now I'm thinking do I do this travel story book I'd be very interested in reading it and judging by how much you can talk I'm sure you can write a book on your journey and on your story so I'm sure it will be great whenever you do decide to write it Catherine I'm gonna to have to leave it there I want to thank you again for coming on we've gone through more than I expected anyway. So thank you so much for coming on. Before you go, just tell us again how we can find you. You can find me on Instagram at Catherine Parker Magyar. My website's CatherineParkerMagyar.com. And my Twitter is KPM1231 because my name is too long. But like those are the three places I really promote my work. And I have a newsletter you can sign up for it from my website. And then every month I send out like my latest stories where I focus on a specific place. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And we'll speak very soon. Thank you. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.